Welcome to Hope Renewed, the podcast of PIR Ministries. Thanks for connecting to Hope Renewed, the in-depth podcast about pastoral renewal and restoration. I'm Tom Jameson, and along with co-host Sean Nemechek, we explore the issues and challenges pastors face and help cultivate a renewed hope for healthy ministry lives. This episode of the podcast, we're doing something we've never done before, a live interview on location. We are at Geneva Camp and Retreat Center in Holland, Michigan, on the shores of beautiful Lake Michigan. We are here to interview the president and vice president of the Soul Care Institute, Kayleen Dirksen and her husband, Jim. So I just want to start by asking Jim and Kayleen to both uh, just give our listeners a brief introduction about your spiritual journey and how it led you to the Soul Care Institute. Thank you, Sean. It's really fun to be here with you today and uh, sit here in all this beauty and have a wonderful conversation. Um, Jim and I both grew up in Mennonite homes, and one of the tenets of the Mennonite faith is service, uh, which is wonderful. And uh, much of, of what we learned growing up was that in, in love to God, in love to our fellow men, we serve, and we serve well. We we put ourselves out there. And so we both grew up doing that um, and, and feeling the call uh, through that service to enter into mission, uh, both domestically and um, on international soil. And so we did. We, we became part of church planting, both in um, here in Birmingham, Alabama. We were part of a team of church planters there. We went to Germany, or part of a team of church planters there, and we worked hard. We were, you know, we were leading worship, and we were teaching and preaching, and uh, we were also youth pastors for a while, working, you know, twenty four seven, and and serving and doing, you know, doing what we thought that was. This is how to be the best version of ourselves, and. And, and so busy, so, so busy, and loving what we were doing, getting some good applause for what we were doing, which also feels good. Uh, um, so that's, that's really, by the time we were in our early 40s, we had come back from, from Germany, uh, and we were exhausted. We were really exhausted, and we came back to work in our denominational mission agency, we both had positions there, and we finally came to the point where we felt like, you know, we're, we're kind of faking it at this point. Mm. We're stuck. We're stuck. We're, we're, we feel empty, and uh, it was a place where I would say that our exhaustion brought us to the Soul Care Institute. Yeah, so it was the end of 2012 when Soul Care was introduced first to me. Um, I was attending a personnel conference in Richmond, Virginia for mission agencies. And so there I am uh, with about 200 other uh, mission reps. I did not want to be there. <laughs> you know, it was the end of the year. It's, uh, we're, it was Christmas time. I wanted to be home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with Kayleen and our one daughter, Helena. Steve Smith was the keynote speaker. 
uh, Keith, uh, uh, Steve and his wife Gwen, they started the ministry Potter's Inn. And um, as, as soon as he began his message at that conference, um, I no longer did not want to be there. I, I knew that <clears throat> there, something was up, you know, and, and um, um, I was ready for the message of soul care that he was delivering. And I was so hungry for it and um, went home after that, after that conference and just, I said to Kayleen, we are going to make some changes in our lives. And it was all about um, a new rhythm for living. Uh, we had not paid attention to this rhythm of engaging and disengaging. Our lives were about work, for Jesus, it, our lives were um, um, about our outer work, and and we knew very little about paying attention to the inner work, and and that was um, yeah, it was it was time we were ready for it, and we just we just dove in and and um, we ended up we ended up doing uh, a few soul care retreats with with Potter's Inn. And um, in 2015, they launched uh, Soul Care Institute. We were, Kayleen and I, were the, the, the chefs for the first retreat for Cohort One. And It was really good food. And, uh, and I remember having dinner with, with Steve and Gwen, and yeah. they, they spoke into us vision. Um, they said, we can see you two leading these kinds of retreats, um, but you really, you really need to go through the Soul Care <laughs> Institute. And so within weeks, we, um, we considered it and just decided to apply. And so we became a part of the second cohort of, of the Soul Care Institute. And then um, after that two-year journey, we, were, we began offering soul care retreats in our area where we live in, in Pennsylvania. And, and then the beginning of 2020, we took a two-month sabbatical. We were sensing this you know, this is growing in us. Yeah. Uh, it's our, it's, it's our vocation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's and where, it's where, it's where God was leading us. Um, and as much a surprise to us as anything, you know, because we had our path we were going on and, and all of a sudden we were finding ourselves, this yeah. is, this is soul care is who we are. It's who we are meant to be. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning of, as I said, the beginning of 2020, we, we started it with a, a sabbatical and the theme of our sabbatical was, what does our future in soul care look like? And uh, right at the beginning of our sabbatical, the executive director, Joe Walters, uh, of the Institute, um, he announced his retirement. And so within six months, wow. he, was, he was ending. And we um, were encouraged to think about applying. Yeah. And we, in, we were encouraged to think about it, but we weren't sure. We, we just really honestly weren't sure that that's what how we wanted this to look um, for us, but we we sensed, you know what? Um, apply as a way to discern, and, and 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 we loved the interview process, and uh, here we are. 
<laughs> That's the short version of the story. Yeah. Wow. So, I, man, I have so many questions. Uh, I, I just want to dig into just a second. Um, I, I coach pastors through burnout. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned exhaustion. Mm-hmm. You mentioned feeling stuck. I want to ask you four quick questions. And you just answer yes or no okay. to each one of these about that period of, of time. So, first one was, did you feel deeply emotionally exhausted during yes. that period? Yes, okay. yes. Uh, the second one uh, is, did you feel like your work was uh, just not bringing as much accomplishment as before? Um, our work was not bringing joy. Okay, all right. It was accomplishing something. But it, joy was not there. Okay. Um, the, the third is, did you feel like you kind of lost your sense of self? I definitely did. Okay. Like for me, I, I was confused. Because mm-hmm. um, here I am, I, <laughs> a missionary, a worship leader in church, mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of good things, right? Yet, I could not open my Bible Mm -hmm. for myself. Yes. Okay. I I just couldn't do it. And that was confusing. And for me, a person who has always loved people, loved being around people, I couldn't stand being around people anymore. And I had no love for anyone. Okay. So that that compassion fatigue that comes. Yes. Okay. And then the last question is... uh, did you have a sense of hopelessness? You mentioned feeling stuck. Did you lost some of your optimism? Yeah, definitely. I, I think I was curious about, I had enough of a relationship with God that I knew that he wasn't done with me. And I was really wondering um, what, what, what was going to happen. And um, yeah. I felt, I felt like I, I was in danger. Because I didn't have, I couldn't, I couldn't muster the feelings that were there prior. Um, I've always been a person who was, uh, you know, just just loved, and and I and I didn't feel love, and I felt like wanting to be away from everybody, and that's not who I am at all, and so that scared me. I felt like I had entered a danger zone, like there was a red, you know, flashing. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess what was scary for me, if, like like while I while I was curious, I I was also like, um, boy, what if what if we just fall off here? You know, like what if this is it? Yeah, like yeah. It's really scary when you have a work that you love and you realize I just can't go on. I can't continue to do this work anymore. Yeah. What am I gonna do? So those and, four and questions, you, and you and you move into faking it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and you can only do that so long. And those four questions are the diagnostic questions we'd use to determine whether or not somebody is in burnout. Mm-hmm. So answering yes to all four is is a pretty significant indicator that you guys were at a place of burnout. That's right. Uh, I came to Soul Care uh, at the end of my recovery from burnout. But uh, I, I think one of the great positive things about the soul care journey is it gives you the tools that you need to recover. Yeah. And uh, I just am curious, uh, we're going to take these questions a little bit out of order. Okay. But uh, I, I'm curious if you could just describe to us what, what the soul care journey is like. 
The soul care journey, um, yeah, just to give it some real practical uh, terms around it, we have a journey of two years, uh, six retreats, as you said prior, uh, over the course of two years, and these retreats have a thematic direction. So first week is very foundational. We talk about what is the soul. We talk about dignity and desire and... Um, really what it is to, to, if we were to look at ourselves as an iceberg, we know that 10% of the iceberg is above the waterline. That is what we see, what we know about each other. And then below the waterline, and we spend a lot of time talking about below the waterline, particularly in that first week, um, below the waterline is the rest of the story, the, the, the things that, that we hide, the stories that we hold that inform what happens above the waterline sometimes. Sometimes we keep it suppressed. Um, most people who come to the Soul Care Institute are starting to see that what's happening below the waterline is bubbling up above the surface and they're getting scared. Um, so it's their family history. It's their, it's their health history. It's all the things that, that are below that there that make up who we are. And um, so... That's the first week. The second week, uh, we go even further. We start staying below the waterline into, into talking about um, what, it, what, what is a transformational journey on the inside? What does that look like? What are the phases that we go through and, and where are we invited to? Um, and the third uh, retreat is about uh, discovering who we are through using the tool of the Enneagram and uh, that was a real wake-up call for us. We, uh, oh, we have a shadow side. Oh dear. Um, and this is actually everybody does. And that was that was what it was really eye-opening for us. And and the enneagram is a very effective tool for that. Um, and the fourth week is the true self, false self. Uh, you know, the Apostle Paul talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new. Um, uh, that's in the King James version. <laughs> and and. Uh, so we, so who who are we truly? What is our true self? And who who really is this false self that we've been uh, tugging and carrying around with us? Uh, it's a very fascinating conversation. One that even though we went through cohort two a long time ago, we still talk about this. We still recognize. Oh, this is our false self, you know, um, coming through, and just really getting into more about. Who, how are we transforming? Who are we becoming? And how are we becoming this, this person who God has created? And then uh, retreat number five is we, we begin to move back out, just the beginning phases of moving back out. We talk about, boy, we've learned a lot through this last season. We've learned a lot. And how do we integrate what we've learned into our lives, into daily life? So we talk about having a rule or a rhythm of life. Um, and how to live congruently with what we, with who, who we are on the inside. How does that look on the outside now? Um, so we start, start that conversation. And then week six is when we look further out, look at critical issues in the care of the soul. We talk about lament and dying. Uh, what is it like to live in a, in a place uh, of suffering? Many people are suffering, and we talk about uh, we talk about what it is like to live in a world that's so diverse 
And how do we provide dignity? Again, dignity comes up. Uh, how do we live in a space where we can dignify others and, and be dignified ourselves? And how God is loving through us and, and we are making a covenant, um, a covenant of discernment with this is, this is where we will go from here. This is how we will interact with the world. And it's a, it's a week, that last week is always a week of emotion because the cohort has become a family of sorts and, and uh, there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of thought, what's, what next, what now? And so, and so we hold this whole thing together with, with uh, community as a really important factor and the relationships that we've developed are really important. And throughout the course of this two-year time, uh, so many things happen. So many. You can take the whole cohort and look at it and think about, wow, that was really amazing. And then you take each individual as well. And, and I, I mean, you, Sean, you know yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've seen your fellow cohort members and what's happened in, in, in you. It's, it's, it's really amazing when you start uh, holding that space for a two-year time period. Where yeah, it goes. it's really, really hard to put into words mm -hmm. the, the profound nature of the journey. Yeah. Um, six retreats, you wouldn't think, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's not that big a deal. But the yeah. connection, the, mm -hmm. the friendships and, and close relationships you develop, the, the deep work in your own soul, uh, it's, yeah. it's a profound change. What I love about um, the Institute is the intention um, given, or I should say attention given to how, how the retreat is scheduled. Yeah. It's not chock full of information, you know? Um, so a lot of the teaching happens every morning, but every afternoon there is plenty of, of time for silence and solitude. It's, it's a beautiful rhythm yeah. that, um, I know for us, when we went through the Institute, we weren't used to that kind of rhythm at all. We were used to engaging. Go, go, you go, know? go, go. I did not know how to be um, alone mm -hmm. and quiet. And um, this, and the, I think this is a distinctive, really, of, of the Institute that uh, is, is really important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and we have these, uh, these three different venues that currently we're, we're holding cohorts at. Uh, so, as you said before, Geneva here uh, in Holland, uh, this incredibly beautiful location we have in North Carolina, another location in uh, Stoneville, Stoneville, and in Colorado Springs at the Hideaway, uh, all really beautiful locations. Mm -hmm. And for people uh, to sit in, in this beautiful environment and to reflect and be loved on and sit in the presence of God, it it's a it's a big journey mm. and we have never heard anyone who's gone through it say boy I really regret that <laughs> yeah I can't imagine how you, how you could so we've touched on a few of the things already but what are some of the values that you embrace uh, and you want to communicate in the soul care Institute well we talk about our three core values being intimacy beauty and adventure um, and people are always, you know, hmm, that's, 
that's an interesting, you know, and, and they are distinctive for the Soul Care Institute. Intimacy, we, well, first of all, we have small cohorts. We don't, um, we don't want a large group of people because, again, community is really part of this transformational period that, that is, is going to assist the individual in what God is doing. Um, and, and, and to explain that a little bit better, yesterday, uh, Jim and I were, were eating in a restaurant and in the middle of the table, there was a card, you know, by the salt and pepper and ketchup and whatever is in the middle of the table. There's a card there, and it had eight different kinds of ice cream bars on it. I like ice cream. And they were like, they were not the They typical. were special. Sure, yeah. very and, and And I love ice cream. And so I'm looking at it while we're waiting for our food to come. And I, I said to myself, boy, there's, there's an ice cream here that I think Jim would really prefer. So I gave him the card and I said, what do you think would be my favorite on this card? And I nailed it. And, and, and he, he said, first of all, this is my favorite. And it was exactly what I said, mm-hmm. or what I thought. And then he said what my favorite was. And, and I, in that moment, I was like, he made that decision based on knowing me, based on 36 years, we've been married for 33, we've known each other three years prior, 36 years of hearing me talk, 36 years of knowing my relationship with my father is very much a part of that whole ice cream conversation, 36 years of listening to me say, I like, I don't like, I I am, I'm, I'm not, you know, all of that went into knowing what kind of ice cream bar I'm gonna like, you know? Intimacy is so important in the below the waterline work. God knows us. And we don't know how God knows us. And God has particular care in how God knows us. And and, and to be able to sit for six weeks during the course of two years in the afternoon and learn how God knows you. I mean, that is special. And really life-changing, really life-changing. So that, I think, I think intimacy is an incredible part of this whole process. And beauty and adventure. Well, when I think of these, these core values, they, like how we got there was, was considering what it, what it is that brings us to life. You know, nobody, nobody is brought to life through hate, curses, ugliness, you know? Um, I, was, I was at a point in my journey, I was, I was stuck, I was bored, I was, I, and I wasn't enjoying it. I wasn't enjoying God. And that's the opposite of adventure. When I think of adventure, I think of, I think of excite, exciting, I think fun, um, surprises, like and that is that was all integral in in what we were experiencing with the institute. Beauty, um, beauty will save the world uh, because it draws us to our Maker, to the Creator of that beauty, and 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 it draw. It's all it's all about what is what brings us to life and what's drawing us to God. I look I look at beauty and adventure as as a, like. The things that 
Jim said, bringing us to life, I, I look at it as, as sort of the plow, the gentle plow that turns over the earth and opens us up. Um, beauty stops us. If there's something beautiful, I am not going to zoom by it. Well, honestly, sometimes I do, which, <laughs> but I'm working on that. <laughs> but if there's a sunset, what do I want to do? I want to sink down wherever I am, and I want to watch that happen. Uh, I want to get out my phone and take a picture because I want to capture it. It stops us, and it makes us think, wow, who, who is, we, we lose words even. It stops us so much. And adventure, you know, we talk about being stuck. There's, there are very few things that can unstick us like something we've never done before. You know, just going on, if it's internal or if it's out, like yesterday we went on a, on a really fun walk to a place we'd never been before. It felt adventurous. And it, it you know, it sort of blew the cobwebs out of my head and, 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 and put this new vigor in me because it was new. It was adventurous. It was, you know, and, and that's, and that's, we, we, th- <laughs> I, I often feel like there are people who believe that this sort of amazing life with God is for one in a million people. But it's not. It's available for all of us. Maybe some of us don't even know that this is available. So I, I, love, I love these three words, and, and I, I would say that intimacy, beauty, and adventure are the things that take us to the place where transforming is happening. And we can enter into them every day. So I, I want to just kind of riff on these these values just a little bit um, and take them uh, in maybe a little bit different direction. That intimacy with God uh, is was hugely important for me, mm. but maybe even more important from the place I was coming from as as someone who had just left pastoral ministry was the intimacy with other people. Mm. Yeah. Um, Everybody in this cohort has become family to me, but there's, yeah. there's a small group within the cohort that we call a listening group that I've spent so much more time with, yeah. and they've heard my story and responded with empathy, and that's something as a pastor I did not receive very often. Yeah. I didn't realize how much my soul was starved for that safe, intimate way of being known mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that's one of the powerful things that the Soul Care Institute really brings. Um, you also mentioned beauty and adventure and I think those two things go hand in hand. Beyond the physical beauty of the place, one of the, the great journeys for me has been learning the beauty of the landscape of my own soul. Uh, I grew up in a in an environment where we're, we're told about our sin and, and the, the darkness Within and sure, you know, there's there's that side to us, but nobody really communicated to me the the beauty of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, mm. to be adopted as a child of God, and to begin to see that in myself. The adventure side of it comes with as you explore your own soul. There's also that stuff that floats to the surface. Yeah, yeah. In silence and solitude, um, I have. I have a thing I like to tell the pastors that I coach when I send them on a day of silence and solitude. 
said, you may, you may expect this to be like God backing up the fuel truck and refilling your tank, but it's probably going to feel more like God backing up the septic truck and <laughs> pumping some junk out first. <laughs> um, and uh, I think all of us experience that to, to one degree or another. Yeah. yeah. We, we face some hard stuff, but when we can do it with courage, we rediscover the beauty behind some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this, this journey has been profoundly formative for me as as a pastor and uh, it's been fun to watch other pastors in our group go through it and see how it's affected them Mm. so um, it's it's just a a beautiful gift Mm -hmm. in many ways so let's drill down a little bit more on the idea of soul care Uh, what is it and why is it important yeah so this is a really good question and I remember (laughs) I remember when we were going through cohort two, a, a lot of a lot of um, um, our peers, like, we voiced a kind of like a struggle in in how do we talk about this with people mm-hmm. in our churches, our friends, and our family. Um, and what I have noticed is that soul care could be another way to talk about discipleship. And a definition that I love about discipleship is that it is the the work of undoing the lies that we believe. So so soul care is is this um, giving attention to becoming who God has made us to be. This 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 care given to becoming my true self in Christ is. For me, I think, like, just very foundational to what what soul care is about. Yeah. I think, for me, uh, soul care is about becoming God's creation, not everybody else's creation. (laughs) Because because there, and for all of us, there are times when we are told how and who we are to be. We we have lifetimes of that. Uh, Soul care is learning how to attune our ears to the one who created us, saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. Not only this is who you are, but I made you this way, and I love you this way. Full stop. And that's powerful. And that's a message that's for everyone. Yeah, I think uh, so many times we get caught up in telling everybody else Jesus loves you. God loves you, and we forget to right to remember it ourselves. Right, right. Uh, and these times are are just wonderful reminders. Yeah. Uh, just how deeply, fully, and permanently we're loved, and it's that filling up of our souls with the love of God that allows us to then spill that love out to others. Yeah. Uh, instead of trying to just generate it from an empty heart. Yeah. Uh, we become which is impossible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, so that filling of our souls is is what enables us to care for others well. So, the the journey of soul care has some some bumps along the way. So you talked about discovering we have a shadow side, mm-hmm. we have a false self. Can you uh, just explore what do you mean by shadow side? But what what's a false self? What's a true self? Just dig into those a little bit more for us. So, and and we learned this through Doug and Adele Calhoun, are the who are the our faculty members 
would come and teach on the tool of the Enneagram. Um, the Enneagram is a tool for empathy, to teach empathy. Um, you talked about how your listening group empathizes with you. And and that's a that's a tool that we really need as that's we need that as human beings to be able to to get along with each other. And there are things that make us uh, unable to show empathy <laughs> in each one of us. And and that's when our ego gets the best of us. Um, and for each of us, it's a different it's a different thing, a different way of expressing non empathy. Um, for example, and, and for those who don't know what the Enneagram is, there are nine numbers, and it's, it's what, what preferences you have in how you live your life, how you interact with the rest of the world. And I happen to lie in the eight range. Um, <laughs> so my shadow side, and I'm, I'm best at explaining shadow sides by talking about myself. <laughs> it's safest that way. Um, so my shadow side is that um, I like power. I like power. And power in itself is not a bad thing. But power used to build up my ego, power used to hurt someone else is a shadow in my life. And I have been guilty of both. And how does then, how does God want to take that preference of you know, in my life, how, how, how does God want to use that for good and for empathy and to be able to love better? So, so if I am leaning on how God wants me to be, who God wants me to be, who I'm created to be, then I'm going to be focused on what is justice in God's heart. Then I lean into justice, which is a wonderful thing, which we need so much of in the world. And, and that's, that's the, the sunny side of my, of my personality. That's the, that, that's the place where, where I can say, this is the God-created piece of me. When I am leaning into my own agenda and being uh, my false self is when I start grabbing and my fist starts closing and I become you know, I, I want to do it my way and very me-focused instead of God-focused. That's what the shadow side is for me. The best way I can describe my false self is when I put on a mask so people don't see the real me, the true me. And what they see is... Um, um, just an image of I am perfect. Um, I've got it together. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's, that's the, that would be the best way that I could describe a, a false self is sure. putting on a mask. So, for me, the the, the shadow side uh, really is the way our strengths show up when we're not healthy. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we all have good things about us. For me, I, I'm I tend to be a really creative person. I will think on a problem until I find the right solution, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, it means that I, I can get things done. Once I've discovered that right solution, I can run with it. The problem is I can come across as pretty intense once I've found that solution <laughs> and almost uh, overbearing at times. And uh, so that my shadow side shows up that way. And I think it's in some ways a self-protective 
sure. thing that happens yeah. there, yeah. you know, uh, where we're protecting ourselves from injury, something we've learned to do over a long period of time, but uh, we're also unintentionally probably hurting others right. through that self-protection, uh, where that, that shadow side really becomes dark and uh, it can really do some damage. And, and through the Institute, uh, you have become more aware of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's part of where that interaction with that, that small group of people yeah. comes in. They get to know you, and they, they can start to say, oh, I, I see you showing up as your true self, or is this, this really you, or are you mm -hmm. being defensive here? And they, they're able to call me out because we've, we've earned that level of trust and, and uh, closeness uh, in all of that. So it's, it's, again, just a beautiful thing. So this podcast is really about encouraging pastors, and mm -hmm. I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that. How would hurting, burned out, or frustrated pastors benefit from a journey like soul care? I heard somebody say recently that the best thing to ask a pastor is, what do you want? Because pastors know all the right things to say. They're not somehow, <laughs> can't come up with, the best thing in the moment. Most pastors are just really good at that, but they don't have safe spaces. But they, they will often say the right thing, but they might not say the thing they really want to say. And so to ask a pastor, what is it that you want in a safe place is, a, I would think, a beautiful gift for a pastor. It was certainly a beautiful gift for us missionaries. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> and I imagine it's quite similar. Um, I also heard uh, a recent study done, I believe it was by Barna, I'm not sure, but the recent study is that 57% of pastors would quit if they could in this country. Over half of the pastors would quit. And I just think, we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. These are the people who at one point felt the call of God so strongly on their life and, and leaned into that to love and care for people. These are the people we need. And so I think that the Soul Care Institute is really ideally <laughs> uh, uh, positioned to take care of the 57, the 100%, really, of, of people who are feeling like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I have no, I'm nothing. I need a safe space. I need to be able to tell somebody what I want. I need to be able to give an honest answer without people watching. I need to, and we, we, we say this all the time when people come to the Institute, during that time of silence and solitude in the afternoon, if what you need is sleep, then go grab you some sleep. And how many of us desperately need that? You know? If a pastor wants to come and spend every afternoon two, three hours flat on his or her back, do it. Yeah, that, that gift of uh, holy napping yeah. is, <laughs> is wonderful. And it's not just the pastors who need it. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's amazing how exhausted we are. We don't realize it yeah. until we slow down. And every once in a while, somebody will say, all I could do this afternoon was take a nap for two hours and then go look at the water. And, yeah. and, and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, um, to, to use a question that 
that Jim Fadling uh, uses sometimes. What does your soul want yeah. um, right now? And that, that's a great question. I think, um, I think the environment here um, helps pastors to receive love. I know yeah. you guys uh, as missionaries were probably in the same space we're always loving others. We, we do what we do because we love them. That's right. Uh, and we're always offering love, and off, but very rarely do we ever allow ourselves to receive That's right. love in that space. And, and this place, um, the, the Soul Care Institute, is just so good at that. You have a staff, Skeet and Angie Tingle, um, who have been running our, our cohorts, um, they are so good at just loving everybody yeah. and making sure that they know they're welcome. Um, and, and Katie, who's also on this team, she, she's so curious about people. Mm -hmm. uh, these are the types of things pastors yeah. rarely get in their yeah. lives, sure. yeah. unless it's another pastor. Yeah. And so to have people uh, just say, you're loved, we're curious about you, yeah. we want to know you, and we, we want you to be heard yeah. uh, is, is very powerful. Yeah. And we have those kind of hosts at all of our venues. Um, I think about North Carolina. Uh, our hosts there, too, people could say the same things. Our students mm -hmm. there say the same things. Oh, I just, I just love being in Vicki's presence, or I just love hanging out with Phil because they just make me feel so seen and so heard. And, yeah, safe, safe spaces, mm. safe places. Yeah, it, that that idea of being being safe and being in, invited, kind of out of your shell, but also invited to to be known at a deeper level. Yeah. Um, all of that works together to to provide just such a healing in God's presence mm -hmm. uh, with God's people. Yeah. That is so rare. Yeah. Yeah. So how can how can people find out more about the Soul Care Institute or maybe? Consider joining a cohort at some point in the future. It's really simple. Uh, Google Soul Care Institute and you'll, you'll find us on the web and um, just navigate that. And, and if anybody would have specific questions uh, and want to uh, receive a real email <laughs> from a real person, uh, they, could, they could write to info at soulcareinstitute.com and it will be answered by one of us. So your, your next cohorts, uh, I know you have one starting out in a, in a week that's probably close to being full, if not yeah. it's, it's We're, I mean, we're we getting could, there. We could still, we take, could still, still take a couple more. Well, by, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll, it'll probably have started already. Okay. So after that, yeah. the next cohorts are in 2023, correct? That's right. So the next one will be cohort 11 in Colorado Springs. And it'll be, I don't have the specific dates in front of me, but it'll be uh, the beginning of 2023. Okay. And we've got some exciting works happening uh, toward opening something up in the Northeast. Wonderful. So... Stay tuned. As well, <laughs> as well as, so we've had a number of international requests as well. So we're trying to figure out. We're um, working toward opening up an international cohort yeah, as well. Yeah. Wow. So big things. So, yes, yes. yeah, we're not taking a break in 2022. We're just, we're, we're exploring other, other possibilities. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So I would highly recommend that, uh, you know, any pastor who feels stuck or burned out, frustrated, or just needs some friends. 
get in touch with the Soul Care Institute, learn about the costs involved and, and what's what it's like, and uh, really start planning for 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this is one of the best things uh, that they can do. We, we end this podcast with the same question to all of our guests. Uh, what words of hope would you like to offer to pastors and their families? I was aware of that question that you were going to ask, and I wrote, I wrote something uh, a few days ago. You are a beloved and beautiful gift, and it's okay to care for yourself. You're not meant to be perfect. You're meant to be the you that God created you to be. If you are called to pastoring as a vocation, then you have a deep understanding in your heart of God's love for people. Feel that love from God first for yourself. It's not selfish. So we just want to end this podcast um, by just saying... Pastor, if, if you're listening, you have a soul. Mm-hmm. And just like you care for the souls of others, your soul needs care too. And we hope that either through the Soul Care Institute or through working with PIR Ministries, you can find the hope that you need to care for your soul. We're grateful for Kayleen and Jim Dirksen spending this time with Sean and with all of us. Check out the program notes for a quick link to the Soul Care Institute and to learn more about this important ministry. And as always, we are grateful for you, our listeners, and invite you to rate and review Hope Renewed in iTunes or your favorite podcast app, and to share this podcast with your friends on social media. It's a great way to help us continue to bring hope to others. Thanks for joining us today. It is our prayer that your souls find rest in God alone as you place your hope in Him. PIR Ministries partners with God and the Church in the work of pastoral renewal and restoration to cultivate new hope for healthy ministry lives. You can learn more about us at our webpage, pirministries.org, or email us at info at pirministries.org. Thanks for joining us for Hope Renewed, and remember, the hope Christ offers will never put us to shame. Thank you.